Well, welcome everybody to episode 30 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. Uh, this week we are devoid of F1, so we've got some uh, good uh, automotive news that we thought would be worth going over. Kind of some late-breaking stuff um, cropped up in, in uh, the last couple of days that I thought would be really kind of fun to talk about. So the first thing I wanted to bring up is we've got what could be kind of the last of a dying breed. So the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing, uh, which had been announced previously, is now finally uh, out in the wild for journalists and car reviewers to get a look at and drive. And And the stories have been rolling out. And from what I've seen, the praise is essentially universal. Just to remind everybody, I think we covered it when it was announced, but um, the Blackwing has a 668 horsepower supercharged V8 uh, that is sending all its power through the rear wheels only. It's one of the few kind of modern high horsepower cars. It's not all wheel drive, it seems like. Yeah. And to top it all off, which I think this is the real pace de resistance for this car, it comes with a six-speed manual standard. Now, you can get an eight-speed automatic, but you're a complete psycho if you order this car and don't get the manual. <laughs> you want to row gears. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the point of this car. Um some interesting things it also has so gm has what's called their mag ride suspension which is a magneto rheological suspension that they developed and they've licensed other manufacturers including ferrari and this thing is like magic it's you know you can go from track where it's super firm and stiff to comfort and it feels like you're driving along in an s-class um yeah it's what the corvette has as an optional suspension and I, i've heard it's phenomenal on that too so it has the Magride suspension standard. You can spec it with carbon ceramic brakes if you so choose, if you're going to be doing some track work. And you get all this starting at $85,000. I think the realistic as tested price is probably going to be just north of 100000 which a lot of money. But if you think about what this is competing with, you're talking right. RS6, <laughs> M5, any of the kind of super sedans. And Cadillac has already said that this is the last internal combustion engine version of this car. So this is the swan song for the CT5 as we know it before electrification or at least hybridization. So mm-hmm. kind of the question that in my mind is, you know, one, is it kind of the M5 killer? The M5 being, I think probably what most people think of as like the sports executive sports yeah. sedan. Uh, and really, is this going to be the swan song for the super sedan? Well, I'll tell you what. I really want it. I really <laughs> like it. I think it's. I think it's like you know. Just in full disclosure, obviously, my interests tend to be a little bit more toward the European manufacturers. That's just yeah. kind of what I grew up with as a kid. Where you're familiar with, yeah, and what you know, the posters I had on my wall. Mm-hmm. But this is a gorgeous car. You know. Reading the review of it on the drive, it really sounds like it's excellent around the track. And Mm -hmm. it transitions to, you know, a highway eating, you know, machine without Mm -hmm. blinking an eye. And so you could go cross country in this thing. Yeah. And that's a really magical thing about that suspension. I've heard people say like the C8 Corvette is actually an amazing Grand Tour because of this suspension. Yeah. And I think probably the reality is, you know, we were talking beforehand, we live in Minnesota 
And mm-hmm. so it's maybe not, if you wanted to daily this, it could get a little squirrely with rear wheel drive, you right. know? but you could probably get away with it quite a bit of the year. It's just some days it yeah. would not be a good idea to drive this. But yeah. the point is, I think they did it right. You know, right. This is like everything you would want. It's yeah. V8. I, it's bananas powerful. It's got a manual, you know, and it's rear wheel drive. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell else more do we want? This yeah. is the car, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think GM looked at it and said, like, and I think probably a lot of manufacturers are going to do this. And that's why you're seeing things like the Dodge Demon and, you know, mm-hmm. the GT500 Shelby. Like, I think a lot of major manufacturers know these are the last times they're going to put out a non-hybridized internal combustion engine in their sports sedan. And so they're like, we're going to, we're going to do this right. And we're going to do this. We're we're doing this, you know, this is a car, not for the guy who just wants to look cool in, in the fancy sports sedan, you know, they're, they're still buying M5s and, and, you know, E63s and stuff. Like this is for someone who's like, I want this specific experience. I want a yeah. fast. I want a tire shredding car that with a manual transmission that when I go to the office, I can tone it down and it'll yeah. be comfortable. Like it it is a it is a jack of all trades and it sounds like it pulls off pretty much all of them. Here's um, one of the things that, you know, you and I we've talked about a little bit. We and we're not exactly serious about this. It's just something mm-hmm. we've talked about. But we've talked yeah. about working together and picking out some cars to purchase yeah and just saying we're going to drive them we're going to enjoy this we'll talk about it and we're just going to hold on to these cars yes but the cost and of what it, what we think and what we agree are like yeah kind of the, the the finest of their kind it's it's worth the effort i think this is one of those cars yeah because they did everything right Mm-hmm. It is the swan song of this yeah. vehicle. Yeah. And if you, and it's not like some car where they're only going to make, you know, a hundred of them. Yeah. Like it'll be produced. You'll probably be able to get a hold of one. Mm-hmm. But if you went out and bought this, drove it, enjoyed it, kept it reasonably low mileage, mm-hmm. held on to it for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and something like Bring a Trailer is still around. I think this car is going to be oh, it's worth cleaning up a lot well, of money. We, we were talking before we went live, we were kind of talking about this car. And, and I said, you know, we're already seeing this phenomenon with the CTSV wagons. Like it, that's a very niche car and enthusiasts, people that are interested in that sort of thing, you know, the super wagon, they realize, Oh, they're not making any more of these. Exactly. Like, they might make a hybrid wagon or they might make an all EV wagon like the the Tycon Cross Turismo. But if I want a snarling V8 manual wagon with all-wheel drive, my my options for those in terms of the new car market are basically gone. You know, like you've got the Audi RS6, but that's kind of it. You know, that's it, and they're not probably going to do another one of those. No, I mean, there's no reason to keep de- spending so much money on development costs when it it's a fairly small portion of the market. 
Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think these cars are going to be, they're going to be the cars that people look back on, like these I think last so. gasp of the internal combustion engine. It's something I keep coming back to with my 911. I was talking with a friend of mine today and, and he said, you know, he's, he really is thinking about getting the 992 GT3 in, in a year or two when they're available used. And, and I said, you know, it's hard to beat because this powertrain, it's not going to get any better. They basically told you, like, they've, they've come out and said, like, this is it. And I think that's what Cadillac's doing with this. They're like, this is the best enthusiast sports sedan that we can make. And yeah. I think it's just, it it's so exciting to me. It's probably one of the first cars, like, I don't feel super restricted in what I could get in terms of a daily driver, despite being in mm-hmm. Minnesota. This is one of the first cars that I have seen in the last four or five years where I was like, God dang it. Like it's, it's, you know, it made me regret living where we live. (laughs) Cause I was like, if I'm in California, I'm buying this. Yeah. Like I'm putting in the pre-order immediately. Cause it, it, it just is so freaking cool. I I think they nailed, they nailed the appearance. They kind of widened it a little bit. It looks a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. but it's it's not quite as boxy as the old, um, you know, CTSV. And uh, yeah, I just I love that. I lo- I just love that they did something like this. You know, they know that they're not necessarily going to sell, you know, these like hotcakes, but they're they wanted to show they wanted to flex a little bit and show what they can do. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it sounds like it's just lovely it's just yeah. lovely on the track and it's great on the highway so and, good for and i do love that that uh an american car company has kind of taken it to the european that's you know exactly yeah. <laughs> that's what i mean yeah it's awesome to see that i you know obviously you and i enjoy the european manufacturers but right. you know it's fun to see something come along that would completely tempt me yeah. You know? Well, yeah. and at because a time, that's, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of what it is, you know. In life, you you identify with a brand and you you kind of roll with it for years, and then yeah. somebody comes along and it just changes your mind. Yeah. Well, like th- you know, I I never would think about buying a Cadillac, but like this, especially in the face of what the the bizarre pathway BMW oh. is going down. Amen. I was like. I, if nothing else, I hope this is a massive shot across the bow to BMW and saying yeah, like, you guys need to get your shit together. Yeah. You don't need to be churning out freaking all wheel drive sports sedans. Yeah. Like you can make a fun rear wheel drive car yeah. that doesn't have bizarre looks. I, like I hope even if I may not buy one, I hope this thing sells. Yeah. I hope they can't keep them in stock. And, That's what I think, you know, you know, it just, it irritates me a little bit that I feel like from my gut and just some of the reading I've done that BMW is chasing other markets. And yeah, here yeah. Cadillac is basically saying, F you, yeah. this is American muscle. This is an American sports mind. car. Yeah. yeah. And we're not going to make this look weird for some market we want it to do well in. Yeah. This is an American car. Well, that's the thing. We're, we're the home of the muscle it. car. You know, we're we're the home of the take the secretary's sedan and drop a V8 in it. 
And <laughs> yeah, exactly. literally, I mean, that was the pony car. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly, and that was yeah. before BMW was doing it. That's before Mercedes, anybody. And so I love that they're, they're saying, okay, if we're, we're, if we're not going to be making pure internal combustion engines anymore after this, if everything's going to be hybridized or EV, we're going to go out and show them what Detroit can do. It's a return to their roots in a lot of ways. That's exactly it. It's a return to their heritage. And it's a number of, you know, I just keep coming back to BMW, but mm-hmm. it feels like they're compromising everything they've been. To chase a market. We're making weird ass designs, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, it's like when we, I remember reading somebody commented on the three series that, we, the, you know, we owned, I think it was the F30. Yeah, they're basically mm-hmm. like that was the, the F, most. Is it the F thirty or F eighty? I can't I remember. I know what you. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the twenty. Like I have a twenty fifteen. Like, yeah, that was the most boring car I've ever driven. And yeah. I was like, to some extent, that's correct. You know the um, the steering, the suspension, all was very numb. Yeah, you know, they got away. They they kept the marketing BS of being the ultimate driving machine, but everything was mm-hmm. gutted. It was just all yeah. gutted. It's just dumb. Yeah. No, I mean, and, I like, I mean, you, we both, you know, we both did the suspension on our cars. And, yeah, we tried to fix all that. Yeah. <laughs> we spent I mean, money trying to fix all of that. Of, like, what the hell mind, are like, we doing? I still, love, I still love the car. I think it's the perfect daily driver. But, like, would I love having, you know, some hydraulic steering back, you know? And I think yeah. yours was, yours was probably even more boring because you, you, you had an automatic. At least I have yeah. the manual, so like yeah. there's some engagement. Hundred um, percent. But I, yeah, I love that they're going back to their roots, with the exception yeah. that they're actually going around right. the corner on like yeah. old school muscle cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> I, like you. I wish them all the best with this, and I hope it's very yeah. successful. I just want there to be a ton of positive feedback, not just in the not just in the journalism world. That's great. <clears throat> but I hope it leads to car sales so that GM and other automakers say like, oh, like kind of like when Audi brought the RS6 to the US, I was like, man, I hope they sell out because I want them to be like, oh, there is a market for this stuff. Like, yeah, we don't just need to make, you know, 86 crossover SUVs. You know, we can sell these <laughs> other things too. Uh, exactly. So anyways, yeah. hats, off to, hats off to GM, to Cadillac. Um, I... I would, you know, I would drive somewhere to go see one of these cars in person, which yeah. says a lot, I think. And yeah, um, I, I just excited to to check it out. So, um, kudos to them. Um, on a on a quite a different note, there was a teaser that came out yesterday or the day before. I think it was yesterday. Uh, Lam Lamborghini said that they are bringing back the Countach, and. They tease the reveal of this new Lamborghini Countach. Basically, they have a, it's like a car with a sheet over it, and there's like dry ice yeah. and stuff around, very moody. But yeah, and laboratory I, looking windows and stuff. Yeah. So my my first like, my first impulse, I texted uh, my my buddy Dave, uh, texted me about. It. He's like, "Oh, you see this?" And I said, "Dude, you know, it'd be the the an amazing move." is if this was Lamborghini's first all EV supercar. Wow. And they said they they pulled a Ford and and you know with the Mustang Mach-E and leveraged yeah. one of their classic nameplates to be their first foray into the full EV That's, market. It's an interesting thought, man. I, I thought it would be so cool. That. And then all my hopes were dashed. 
because uh, Johnny Lieberman, who's the ex- an executive editor, I'm not sure if he's the head head guy, but he's an executive editor at Motor Trend. He kind of, I don't know if he was supposed to do this, but on Instagram, he kind of let out that what this actually is, is, is kind of a bespoke, modified, final, final version of the Aventador. The, the SVJ was supposed to be the final version of the Aventador, but this is kind of the final, final thing. Supposedly, it's going to be a super limited run, like 100 units, and will be priced at $3.5 million a pop. The rumors also say that Lambo has already called all their big clients before the car was even announced so that they could pre-sell them all. And mm-hmm. it made me think, well, one, what do you think about kind of slapping the Countach name on just a kind of a, a different looking Aventador? And also, how do you feel about all these kind of super limited editions, you know, McLaren's famous for them, but these super limited editions that all get pre-sold. Is there any point to even get excited about them? Like when it's like a three and a half million dollar car that you're like never going to be able to buy or even get on the list for? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at the Ford Bronco. I was super excited for that. Just out of, interest like oh that's really cool they brought it back made me kind of wonder if some of the manufacturers are like stuff that one on the shelf Mm -hmm. (laughs) come back to it in two decades and it'll and ford actually did a good job like they did bring back a very cool like retro version of it yeah you know yeah and now you know we're gonna see one on every corner Mm -hmm. and it'll just it'll just be in it'll blend in 15 years it'll be the ford escape or whatever yeah. it is that, you, you know, you just see everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, that's one side of the spectrum. And then there's what these guys are doing. To bring that back, I think, is really cool. And yeah. I'm going to be very interested to to see what it looks like. Because, as they mentioned and other people have mentioned, this was, like, the poster car for so many people back in the 80s. Or it was, mm-hmm. like, the toy car that you got for... Yeah. You know, some kind the of red, holiday or your birthday, you know, the red Countach with gold wheels or the white Countach with white wheels. Bonkers looking. It's iconic. That yeah. Thing, that thing was just crazy ass looking car, even back in the 80s. Like, oh, even yeah. now when I look at it, it's just. It like, was it was the king of that what? 80s red shaped <laughs> design. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It was bonkers. And I loved mm. it. So I'm actually excited that they're bringing it back. And I, I hope that it looks. Silly and absurd, mm-hmm. um, just like that one did. I hope yeah. it doesn't get too busy or just you know our typical modern day design flourishes. Over designing it, yeah. So I, I hope it's just weird looking, yeah, and um, kind of like it was back in the eighties, yeah. Um, now, in terms of getting excited about it, well. Frankly, I'll probably never buy a Lamborghini anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm part of the market yeah. at this point. I need yeah. to I need You to don't have enough like create... bleach blonde hair. Well, yeah, that and I don't <laughs> I didn't create like a Bitcoin. I don't I don't have yeah. some kind of Dogecoin or something. Yeah. <laughs> that I yeah, you that didn't I get in on the uh the GameStop. Yeah, yeah. I didn't take anything time. to the moon. <laughs> yeah. So I'm probably not in their market. And and so realistically, they're all kind of forbidden fruit for mm-hmm. me anyways. And so I'll enjoy, you know, reading a few, a handful articles, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, looking at some pretty pictures Mm -hmm. and then maybe 10 years from now, you know, getting some magazine like the road rat that has some interesting backstory on it. Yeah. Some people that had a, you know, relationship where they were fighting about design or something. Yeah. And just an interesting backstory. And that's probably going to be the highlight of this for me. So I don't really give a shit what they charge. (laughs) Yeah. It's to me, to me, it's yeah. So regarding bringing back the Countach, I think you are playing with fire when you bring back the nameplate of a car that is so iconic. I mean, that I think, you know, the the Lamborghini Miura was probably the first supercar. It's just like the car that is so wild and different looking to everything else. And then the replacement for the Miura was the Countach. And that was the heir apparent. I mean, it, it changed the game again. So you've got something that's so iconic. And you've really, really got to be careful. I mean, the, the, the automotive landscape is littered with people bringing back nameplates from years gone by that have cachet with the customer base. And then they're absolute dog shit. Think about like the Mustang two, the Bronco two from Ford in the eighties and seventies, you know, and, and it can lose your brand a lot of the loyalty and respect of your customer base. If you do that now, if they're selling them for three and a half million a pop, like I'm guessing the body work will be pretty bespoke and they can do whatever they want. Uh, so I, I have no doubt it's going to look cool. Um, I think these companies, Lamborghini, Ferrari, McLaren, Porsche as well, I think they've figured out the cheat code when it comes to how to make a quick buck. And that is you have some extremely loyal, not necessarily to your brand, but loyal to the car collecting game people in the world that are multi multi-millionaires, billionaires, and they want the newest exclusive thing. And they're on everybody's list. You know, they've they've got they're on the list for the new McLaren Halo car and the new Ferrari Halo car when it comes out and the new, you know, everything. And those people are going to buy it. Like they don't even need to see it. They'll just buy it. Um, I heard a story about when the McLaren Speedtail was announced, they called one of their customers who had bought a bunch of McLarens and they said, all they told the guy was three seats. And he said, I'm in, put his, <laughs> put his deposit down. Like these people, they're playing at a different level that they don't even need. They don't care or see the car. They know it's going to be exclusive. They know it's probably going to appreciate immediately. And so they have no qualms, you know, putting down the cash. And so it's it's frustrating to know, like, you're never going to be in that threshold. Really. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is exciting uh, because that whatever, if assuming they use some sort of new technology. I mean, this, I think, could be a very cynical cash grab, quite honestly, because if it's just literally an Aventador SVJ with some reworked body panels, that cost them next to nothing. They didn't really need to innovate or add new technology, and they're just basically making pure profit. But in some of these, you know, things like the 918 or the LaFerrari or or the McLaren P1 that are pushing the technological envelope, that technology, those cars, I think, are worth getting excited about because the technology that goes sure. into them, that's developed for them, will make its way into 
cars that you might actually buy. You know, the 918 hybrid tech might make its way into the next 911 when it goes hybrid. You know, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so there's kind of a knock-on effect. It's it's like it's like why people get excited about the technology in Formula One cars. Like, God, those things are so foreign compared to what it's in a street car. Well, it's like, well, anti-lock braking systems. You know, yeah. uh, the the clutch paddles that pretty much every single modern sports sedan and sports car are fitted with. Like those are those are F1 through and through. You know, so I think a lot of a lot of that's stuff can be worth getting interested in. I think Lamborghini might be making just a money grab here. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, but if it's I a cool looking right, money yeah. grab, man, I'll drool over the pictures just like anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It'll be uh, very I think interesting is, to see when that cover comes off. I think there is a saturation point, though, because I know McLaren ended up building less speed tails and less Elvas than they had initially announced. And from what I understand, it was because they couldn't find buyers like hmm. you're if you're asking someone to spend three million dollars on a car in this case three and a half your buyer pool for someone that can spend 300 million dollars on a car is actually incredibly small yeah. um because you got to get in you got to get people that are probably worth north of a hundred million dollars and they've got to be car nuts you know yeah. so you're kind of slicing a very small pie even thinner so i you know i don't Lamborghini, I think, can probably get away with it. They probably have enough people. I mean, they they probably did it the smart way and said before they built it, they called up their customers, said, "We would you yeah. buy this?" <laughs> and got yeah. them all pre-sold. Unlike McLaren, um, you know, Bugatti did the same thing with the Devo and, and all their other special editions. So there's certainly ways to do it, but I, you know, as a company, you have to be careful when you're coming out with too many special editions because then they start feeling less special. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see what it looks like for sure. Uh, last bit of news for the week, I think, was kind of interesting. It was actually on a business website. You know, we've talked kind of ad nauseum in the last you know few months about how crazy the used car market is. Um, but there's a few signs that it might be cooling down a bit. So recently, um, there are some reports out that for the first couple of weeks of July, wholesale car prices were starting to come down after being at record highs for months. And the used car inventory is starting to increase on dealer lots. So uh, there was also a couple recent surprising no sales, at least surprising to me, on bring a trailer. Uh, cars that didn't meet reserve that I feel like three, four months ago, people would have had no problem, you know, spent overspending for, in my opinion. So, you know, what do you think? Do you think we might be starting to turn a corner? Probably, you know, I think that the reality is... Uh, it's going to come to a new equilibrium point. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, we've talked about the chip shortage. Mm -hmm. That's going to continue to probably drive, you know, new car sales into that scenario where maybe the even some of the mass market ones, you know, I kind of wonder if in the future the expectation is you go into the dealership and you just say like that, this is what I want and you mm -hmm. order it. Right. And there's not a massive inventory on sitting on the lot. Yeah. Cause then they don't have to haggle over it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But I think that just the, sh the chip shortage and kind of driving the uh, new car sales, you know, a little tight for probably a while um, mm -hmm. is still going to trickle down. And so I think that it is 
maybe coming down from a peak, but I bet it hits a plateau where it's still higher than we were a while back. Cause I also mm. assume, you know, you still look at these like rental car prices. Oh, they're yeah, still they're pretty high. And so I assume those yeah. guys are going to be sucking up cars, you know, for some time. As yeah. People start to travel more. Yep. All of those things will kind of continue to put pressure on, but you know, will we hear these, you know, same number of crazy stories where people say, Oh, I, you know, bought this for this amount and sold it for this. Maybe we'll hear a little less of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, I mean, it has to cool off at some time because there's only so many people that can, you know, spend overspend by 20, 30% on a car versus what it's actually worth. I, I agree. I think it is going to last a bit longer. I think, you know, heads of chip manufacturing companies and heads of car companies have come out and said, like, this is probably going to last until a decent way into 2022. Um, hmm. So, you know, and that's assuming we don't have, you know, some, I mean, obviously we have the Delta variant with COVID. But that's assuming there's not some other disruption again in the supply chain and manufacturing process. Um, you know, that's just playing catch up. Uh, yeah. I think manufacturers are going to find some workarounds to get new cars into hands of buyers. Uh, I know, and I've, I know at least, you know, Porsche is basically sending cars to dealerships that don't have their, uh, their power steering chip installed. You have to manually adjust the steering wheel. I've heard other manufacturers are sending cars, um, without the, uh, uh, power adjustable seats that are you have to manually adjust them and then the deal is that you buy the car and then when the chip's available you bring it back to the dealer they install it for free so you know people are finding workarounds for this stuff but it's it's certainly not ideal and and so i think they are going to persist for a while i think you're right i think it's just going to be a new equilibrium I, i've kind of seen both sides of it because you know there was this story about prices coming down but then you know i'm i got an unsolicited message on the Porsche forum, uh, Ren list, uh, asking if I'd be interested in selling my car. Just a guy, <laughs> a guy yeah. saw pictures of my car and said, Hey, you know, I really like it. Would you want to sell it? Um, I didn't ask what he was willing to pay for it, but, uh, you know, I know my, my car is worth about 20% more than I paid for it. Yeah. You know, even That's... with the mileage I put on it, which is insane. Um, yeah. so, you know, it, I think that the price is, you know, and that's all just the COVID stuff. That's the person that's wanting to buy a, a Honda Civic right now just to get to and from work. I think when you talk about the enthusiast market, the conversation changes. So yes, the chip shortage affects the con you know that market as well. But we have the added pressure of, oh my gosh, they're not going to make any more cars like this. Like we talked about with the Blackwing, everything's going to become mm -hmm. hybrid or EV. Gosh, I better buy that you know, naturally aspirated V8 engine that I've always wanted or, or that naturally that air cooled Porsche I've always wanted. Um, I think those, those added pressures, I think are going to prop up the inflated enthusiast car market for quite a while. I think you're probably right. You know, and what's, you know, what is the tipping point? It'll be really interesting to see what that is. I think it's a ways out. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's tough to know. I mean, the, the thing is, like, there's just there's a lot of people with a lot of money, and the number of particularly if you're talking about collector used cars, 
you know, they're not making any more. They're not making any more 997 GT3 RSs. They're not making any more, you know, BMW 2002s. They're not making any more R34 Skyline GTRs. So the numbers of those cars that are drivable in decent condition are going to continue to decrease over time. So the values of those, I don't think are, if anything, I think they're going to be steady. All right. Well, uh, just some, you know, kind of a variety of interesting stories this week, but I, I thought it was, you know, definitely worth covering, particularly that Cadillac. Oh man, that's so cool. But, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we've got some more news, um, no F1 again. So we'll either come up with some interesting news stories or maybe a topical show. We'll see until then, you know, please check us out on, on iTunes, rate us, leave a comment, leave a rating, all that stuff helps. Um, and, uh, check us out at the blow off valve podcast on Instagram. Um, it's a good place to get show updates, interact with us, ask us questions, show topics you'd be interested in hearing about. Um, and until then we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.